Inter Podcast. There are numbers that in the history of football have a very different symbolic value than the others. Just to give a few examples, the goalkeeper is universally recognized as the number one. The center forward remains for all the number nine. Very different from the false nueve people are talking about too much in the last few years. Then we can talk about the number seven, the talented winger, and the number five, rocky defensive bastion. However, in this series of podcasts, we want to focus on the number par excellence, the one with a capital N, the most iconic number in the football world. Because, let's say it, what would football be without number 10? 10. 10. Number 10. Number 10. 10. Number 10s. He could not be forced in any game plan. He could not be forced in any game plan. He was not a striker and he did not have the qualities and the physique to play in midfield. He was a one-of-a-kind footballer. He could wear the number 10 shirt because nature had given him two unique feet and a flair reserved only for the most special of players. A genius, sometimes misunderstood, of our inter-history. A man who reshaped the game of football as a show for the fans through three simple concepts. Mesmerizing dribbling was his way of saying hello, a cheeky nutmeg his way of winning you over, and a goal to seal the deal. Not by chance, Evaristo Beccalossi has rightly earned a place in our history dedicated to the great number 10s. Evaristo Beccalossi is originally from Brescia, San Polo, a small village on the outskirts of the city, and was born in 1956. During his youth, Italy was out to start over again. After the tragedies of two world wars, an air of optimism was to be found everywhere. Evaristo is the only son of Gino, a practical and not very talkative man who was working in a factory, and Franca. As a child, like many others, he preferred spending his time playing football rather than reading books. Gino was worried that his son did not like studying. He was afraid that without good grades at school, he would not be able to build himself a future. But at the same time, he knew that a place for his son would have been available anyway at the factory. Therefore, Gino left little Evaristo to his dreams of becoming a footballer and to try and imitate the feats of his great idol, Omar Sivori. Coincidentally, a number 10 and a player who was able to think outside the box and to put flair before everything. Ever since he could kick a ball, Evaristo tried to emulate the skills of his idol at the parish oratory, playing against the older kids. His opponents immediately noticed that thin, skinny boy with two peculiar feet. He was a natural left-footer, but thanks to practice, he was able to shoot with great precision with his right foot too. When he was a teenager, the team from his city, Brescia, spotted him. He entered the youth sector of the Rondinelle, going on to win the youth championship. 
From there, the dream began to turn into reality. When he broke into the first team, he left the job at the factory that his dad had found him when Everista was only 14 years old, just to give him an alternative future in case the football dream didn't materialize. At Brescia, he was paired with another future Inter star, a striker from Sonnino called Alessandro, but who soon earned the nickname Spillo Altobelli, Altobelli the pin, due to his height and leanness. The two, Beccalossi and Altobelli, were the jewels in the crown of that Brescia team. Spillo moved to Inter in 1977, while Evaristo had to wait for one more year. First, he had to do his military service. During this period, he was sent to Rome, and then he moved to Bologna. Despite being far from his home, he used to return to Brescia to play during the weekend, but his fitness was nowhere near the level that the coach of the time wanted. The coach was Antonio Valentin Angelillo, precisely him, the Argentine hitman who broke numerous goal-scoring records with the Inter shirt at the end of the 1950s. The years spent in the Brescia team in the second tier were helpful to Beccalossi to understand what it was like to be a professional footballer. With his class and his touch of magic in the midfield, he was often the target of opponents, who were trying to thwart his style with ways that were not always gentle. But Evaristo was a player who knew how to avoid dirty tricks from opponents because his vision of football was different from that of the others. Sublime control, raw speed, agility, all qualities that did not go unnoticed even by the teams in the top tier of the Italian game, Serie A. There were two teams that laid an eye on him, Inter and Genoa, and both of them negotiated his transfer fee with the Brescia president, determined to get their man. At one point, a deal appeared to be done with Genoa, when, unexpectedly, the phone rang at Beccalossi's home one evening. The voice of Sandro Mazzola was on the other end, telling him, Summer 1978, in an office of the Inter headquarters, Evaristo Beccalossi signed his entry into the history of the team. Oh, mia bella to him, a lifelong dream came true. He put his signature on his first contract without even knowing how much he would have earned because he was that mesmerized by that envelope with the letterhead bearing the symbol of Inter and the Nerazzurri colors in his hands. The thought of playing in the top tier, Serie A, with the Inter shirt was already enough for a working-class boy like him. But by signing that contract, an adventure was about to begin for Beccalossi. The story of his legend. He thought to himself how the San Siro faithful would have welcomed him, a player who, until a few weeks before, was playing in the second division. The doubts dissolved as soon as he looked out from the balcony of the Inter headquarters, where there was a whole crowd waiting for him below. From that moment on, a unique relationship between Evaristo Beccalossi and the Inter supporters was born that would continue for many years. While still playing for Brescia, the first time that the then Inter coach Eugenio Bersellini went to see Beccalossi playing, Evaristo barely got a touch of the ball. Notwithstanding that, the reports on him were all positive, 
the Drill Sergeant, the nickname of the then Inter-Coach, understood that Beccolossi could become one of the best number 10s in Italian football, providing he had a good physical preparation. The relationship between Beccolossi and the number 10 on the black and blue shirt was visceral and immediately strong. From his very first game played with that shirt, which was in a pre-season match against Hertha Berlin in Vassilia. The final result was 1-0, with the only goal scored by Beccolossi, who, the same night, went to bed with his number 10 shirt on. An anecdote that tells a lot about how Evaristo cared for that shirt, Inter, and the whole Nerazzurri family in general. During that first summer preparation, the then Inter coach Bersellini made his presence felt on that young curly-haired boy with grueling training sessions consisting of running in the woods and a lot of physical work. Evaristo would have gladly done without that kind of workout. He used to prefer training with the ball between his feet, but he also knew that if he wanted to mature as a player, he had to train and train hard. Therefore, he focused on the new exercises with total commitment. Also because playing in the inter-team was a real chance of a lifetime for him. In the first months, worried that he might arrive late for training, he planned his departures from Brescia to Appiano Gentile a day in advance, often finding himself alone in the darkness of Pinettina, the club's training ground, waiting for the other teammates to come. Eugenio Bersellini appreciated his efforts and marked the name of Evaristo Beccalossi in his good books. But at the same time, he knew that he always had to keep an eye on him to make him toe the line. The drill sergeant was someone who was not fooled by his players, and to make sure they followed all his orders to the letter, he forced them every morning to step on the scales to check if they had gained even a single ounce of fat. But Beccalossi was a player who occasionally broke the rules, especially when it came to food. The coach was aware of this, and he once forced Evaristo to follow a very particular presentation in view of a championship match against Lazio. Bersellini forced him to spend an entire week at the club's training ground in Appiano Gentile, day and night in the company of the fitness coach. At the end of those seven days, Inter took to the field to play against Lazio. Everisto put in a superb performance, also scoring a goal. Bersellini said to him at the end of the match, You have seen how well you play if you train as I tell you, haven't you? Becca answered, Yes, coach, but I can't spend my whole life in isolation. A phrase that sums up well what Everisto Beccalossi was. A player who had to be left free. There was only one reason. He was talented and could not be restrained. Evaristo Beccalossi was a number 10 who had to be free to express all his talent. That talent was already evident in his first year with Inter, but in the following one, in the 1979-80 season, Evaristo flourished. He was also helped by a teammate who was fundamental to him, we have already mentioned him, of course, Spillo Altobelli. The two formed an unbreakable partnership on and off the pitch since their days at Brescia, 
and this relationship was strengthened even more in Milan. They were of comfort to each other, companions of raids, of course, in the good and innocent meaning of the term, first on the roads of Brescia and then on those of Milan. Beccalossi and Altobelli gave a show of themselves on the field, and that year they were amongst the key players in a season that will be remembered forever. On the 28th of October 1979, a fierce storm struck Milan. The San Siro field was soaked with water, looking more like a mud bath than a pristine pitch to play football. The conditions were certainly not ideal for a skillful player like Beccalossi, who on surfaces like this would never have the same agility to showcase his way of playing. Bersellini invited him to wear boots with six iron studs, the only possible solution if he wanted to remain standing. Beccolossi listened to his coach's advice but didn't follow it, and from his bag he took out his usual boots with the 13 rubber studs, thus effectively eliminating any possibility of maintaining balance during the game. But this detail did not seem to worry Evaristo, who was convinced of his choice. That Inter-Milan match on the 28th of October 1979 was his coming of age. The sky above San Siro was torn by the 14th minute. A ball was played in from the left by Pazinato, making its way to the middle of the area where Evaristo was somehow alone, unmarked by the Milan defence, left free to volley it home just a few metres from goal. It might appear a simple goal, but it was not. Beccalossi widened the inside of his right boot to support the trajectory of the ball and steer it towards its final destination, beyond Albertosi, in front of the Curva Nord. 1-0 for us. A beautiful goal, a cracking shot. This show of pure class was not common to all players. But that was just the first flash of inspiration of that game by Beccalossi. Despite the playing surface, our number 10 seemed more inspired than ever, driving the opposing defenders mad, forcing them to act in a decisive manner to take back control of the ball, but ending up slipping around on the flooded field. Then the crowning glory, the goal to make it 2-0, again thanks to him, Evaristo Beccalossi. A goal certainly simpler than the first one, a tap-in from point-blank range with Evaristo the hero to double the inter-advantage. And that derby ended like that, 2-0 for us, a brace by Evaristo Beccalossi, who on that night in late October became an inter-legend in all respects. On the field, his talent was so huge that he could, with the permission of Bersellini and his companions, risk anything, even to be inconstant. Everyone in the Inter team knew that, and every time they took to the field, the players asked each other, how many of us will there be today? Ten or twelve? Beccalossi laughed at that, also because he knew that behind him he had people like Oriali, Baresi and Marini, who would have run hard and covered him all day. When he was on his game, Beccalossi held the key to it all, his pinpoint deliveries for teammates, defence-splitting passes and crosses for his friends and teammates below. Other times, however, when he was not at his best, 
he could at least still rely on other weapons. For example, free kicks from the edge of the area. When he took them, he loved to place the ball at the limit, soaring over the wall, both with his right and left foot. It didn't make a difference. But Becolossi, on an off day, was also a victim of his own talent. Like that night on September the 15th, 1982. Becalossi was not called up to the Italy squad in 1982 that conquered its third World Cup. Berzot never gave him a chance, despite the great displays with the Inter shirt. Also at the 1981 Mundialito, an event during which he had been a major player, and that made the most important European teams, such as Bayern Munich, just to mention one, keep tabs on him. On that occasion, his answer was, Bengalossi is like the Cathedral of Milan. You can't touch it. A phrase that is worth more than any contract, and that gives the idea of how important he was in the Inter team in those years. But let's go back to that night on September the 15th, 1982. At San Siro, the round of 32 of the Cup Winners' Cup between Inter and Slovan Bratislava was being played. A game that on paper was a foregone conclusion, given the gulf in class between the two teams. In fact, from the first few minutes, the script of the match became clear. Inter dominated and Becalossi seemed to be thinking, to put it in the words of his songwriter friend Enrico Ruggeri, I'll do what you want me to. Ruggeri dedicated the song Il Fantasista to him. Just that verse seemed to resonate in Evaristo's head. So sure was he of his supreme talent. Becalossi skipped past and breezed past his opponents with ease, and on reaching the opponent's area, was knocked down. The referee had no doubts and awarded Inter a penalty. Evaristo took the ball in his hands, placed it on the spot, and with his left would surely break the ice and make it 1-0 to Inter. Instead, things did not go to plan. The ball was struck to the left of the goalkeeper, who had guessed the right way. Never mind, it can happen to the very best every now and then to miss a penalty. The opportunity to make amends came just a few minutes later, across from the right from our number 10, and the ball that came off the arm of an opponent inside the area. Another penalty. His teammates encouraged him to try again, and he, Becalossi, took the ball again in his hands and placed it on the same spot where just a few minutes earlier he had already spurned a glorious chance. The Italian actor Paolo Rossi, an Inter fan, described the moment as follows. He put the ball back on the penalty spot with the confidence of a man knowing that he would not have missed. But again, he made a mistake. And I thought, he will always be a man. A bit cursed, but anyway, a man. Becalossi left the field before the end of that game due to a muscle injury. He missed a few matches due to that injury, but when he returned to San Siro, he was greeted by an ovation with chance only for him by a crowd who loved him and who knew how to look beyond those moments. Another ovation, just as it was for him on occasion of the return leg of the 1981 European Cup semi-final. 
On April the 22nd of that year, Real Madrid came to San Siro boasting a 2-0 lead from the first leg. When the teams entered the field for the warm-up, chants for Becalossi began to ring out. Upon seeing him, all the spectators began to sing the Evaristo chant with real fervor, all the while clapping their hands. A tribute to our number 10, who did not remain indifferent to all that affection. He himself described it as the greatest emotion of his whole life. Those 120 seconds would have resounded in his ears and later between his stomach and heart forever. Right in that moment, Begalossi realized that he had entered the history of Inter through the love shown by his fans. That Inter-Real Madrid ended 1-0, but the goal scored by captain Graziano Bini was not enough to reach the final. However, it remained one of the most special nights for Evaristo during his time as an Inter player. That adventure continued for more years to come, until 1984, when his time in the Inter team reached its end after 216 games played, 37 goals scored, a 1980 Serie A winner's medal, a Coppa Italia victory in 1982, and an infinite number of moments only a number 10 can deliver. All genius and recklessness, who never said no to good food and a few cigarettes now and then. No matter how much the drill sergeant Bersellini was on his case, more than once, Becalossi invented the most inventive ways to overcome the daily weighing required by the coach and often managed to get away with it. A brilliant and imaginative spirit with a constant desire to play jokes, like the time he got in trouble with coach Gigi Radice. On that occasion, Becalossi had invited his songwriter friend, the aforementioned Enrico Ruggeri, to a training session with the team. Without, however, informing the coach, Ruggeri, an Inter fan and a great football lover, joined the group and started doing warm-up laps right next to Evaristo. That was until Radice noticed the unusual presence and thundered, Who is that one? And then the outburst of laughter from the group, followed by the explanations of Becalossi and Ruggeri, who remained with the group throughout the training session, also playing the final match. This was just one of the many ideas of Evaristo Becalossi, a number 10 who was a football genius on the field, but off it, a husband, a father, a man tied to his simple roots. He defined himself as a worker from San Polo, to whom a football gave more than one chance. He retired at the age of 33, a lot earlier than many of his other colleagues. But even in this, Beccalossi wanted to appear different from everyone. As his childhood idol Omar Sivori used to say, champions must think outside the box. And this is what Evaristo Beccalossi did throughout his career, until he got tired and decided to give up with everything. A number 10 that will never be forgotten in the history of the club.